So first, focus on the research and the science and the environment. If that happens to be in Germany, that's great. But again, can you do the research that you want to do there? Talk to people. And then it depends a little bit on your discipline, the university or the non-university research institution you're at. What is sort of your modus operandi? What do you thrive in? Hello and welcome to Inside Deutschland, your guide to careers in Germany. This podcast provides you with insight into working in Germany and covers topics such as the do's and don'ts for job interviews, pitfalls to avoid in communicating with employers and colleagues, and how to navigate opportunities and challenges across the German labor market. I am your host, Jessica Schuler, a Germany-focused career coach, trainer, and international educator. As part of the Inside Deutschland podcast, I will be interviewing people from all across the globe who have been successful in Germany so that you can learn from their experiences and expertise. If you want to work in Germany, it can be a great advantage to have a German university degree. But studying in Germany or even building a research career here is a challenge in and of itself. So in this episode, we're going to clarify how you can navigate your academic path, whether that's studying or researching. What does studying in Germany actually look and feel like? How does the university system work? What does the academic world offer in terms of jobs? And what do you need to start your research career in Germany? To address and answer these questions, we're later going to talk to Leila Heisman. She's an international student originally from Singapore, and she's been studying in Germany towards her MBA, Master of Business Administration in Aviation and Tourism Management at the Frankfurt University of Applied Sciences. But before we hear her story, I'd like to introduce this episode's expert, Dr. Anne Schreiter, whose voice we just heard at the beginning of the show. Dr. Anne Schreiter is an advocate for researchers and scientists in Germany. As the managing director of the German Scholars Organization, she and her team offer advice, support, and programs to help PhDs on their career paths. Hello, Anne, and welcome to the show. Hello, Jessica. Thanks for having me. You are currently tasked with managing the German Scholars Organization, or the GSO, which was established actually in the U.S. in 2003, followed by an office opening in Berlin in 2006. The GSO is a nonprofit organization with the goal of supporting both international and German researchers. What does the GSO now today provide in terms of programming, networking opportunities, and connections to employers in and outside of academia? Mm -hmm. So we advise, connect, promote, and fund researchers. And advice means that you as an individual researcher, you can get like a free brief consultation when you're abroad. We also offer like more intense, intensive CV or cover letter checks or career coachings. We also facilitate workshops for research institutions about career strategies, leadership in science, but also how to recruit international researchers. And um, if you want to take a look on our website, you find a bunch of free career resources and we offer also free webinars. We do connect peers and experts from different sectors. So if you're interested in, you know, learning more about a certain career path, we can connect you with people who have gone that way. And we have meetups in cooperation with the GAIN, the German Academic International Network. We have an alumni network. And we have a pretty cool conference that will take place again in December this year that's called To Be Honest, Career Real Talk for Researchers that really connects the community. And um, we just recently started a project called Hidden Champs. 
And that connects researchers with companies, especially small and medium-sized companies. And the last and biggest part of our um, activities is to promote and fund researchers. So we work together with private foundations and we get flexible funding from them. And that's great. So we can really offer user-centric programs, so to say. Um, for instance, a leadership academy for postdocs or the so-called Klaus Chira Boost Fund together with the Klaus Chira Foundation that offers flexible funding just wrapped up a program with the Carl Zeiss Foundation for universities, and we have a travel expense program um, with a smaller foundation that helps universities to reimburse candidates who come from abroad um, for an interview. At what stage would it be best for somebody to reach out to the GSO for help and support? So our main target group is um, people with a PhD, so um, postdocs, um, group leaders, sometimes also, you know, early or young professors, but also when you are in your PhD. So the earlier start career planning, the better. So if you're in a PhD or just finished it, that's probably the best time to approach us, but we're open to everyone. Let's transition now to talk about working conditions and reforms in academia. While Germany has a lot to offer in terms of its research landscape, there is a bit of an elephant in the room in regards to working conditions and contracts in German academia that's important to, to discuss. In a 2018 uh, Dutz Wissenschaft and Management publication, you made a comment that, and I'm going to quote you here, many researchers are still considered junior scientists in their late 30s, even though they have made significant contributions to research. This is where we need more transparency and the ability to plan career paths and more appreciation for the next academic generation. Can you give us a bit of context for why this is the case and perhaps also how Germany compares to other countries' academic career pathway systems? A little disclaimer here, I'm generalizing, and of course there are always exceptions to the rule, but I think there are two main challenges. So the first challenge is in German academia, there is not really a pathway. You were saying, you know, what are career pathways? There is no really a pathway. You can either tick all the boxes and don't get a position or the other way around, right? And tenure track in Germany means something quite different depending on the, the university or the institutions. And those who are not really familiar with the German system or um, are not having access to good, honest mentors and implicit knowledge... And um, for them, it's really hard to see a pathway or a track. And that, again, is a symptom of challenge number two, which is um, I think Germany is generally quite risk averse and reluctant to invest in potential or invest in somehow unconventional career paths. Even the expression junior researchers um, really illustrates that sort of lack of recognition for people who actually do most of the research. And it also illustrates um, the concentration of power of professors. And this power is not really met with any balancing features, right? So even if you have past merits in the sense of, um, you know, you're an experienced postdoc or so, but you're not a professor, there's also not really a path for you if you reached a certain age. So all of that is problematic and it makes it harder to attract a more diverse cohort of bright minds. And that can be people with a lot of potential who are young, but that can also um, mean people who are more experienced or are like late bloomers. For them, it's really hard to find a spot in the German academic system. And maybe just an analogy to illustrate that. So imagine you work at a company and uh, you have 15 years of professional expertise. 
you have let people, maybe you're 38 years old, no one in your company would call you a junior manager or a junior expert. But in academia, that's the case. And that sort of illustrates, you know, that's a little bit of a, a funny constellation there. Definitely. Kind of going off of that, in recent years, German academia has, as we just discussed, suffered from some reputational challenges. In particular, a few years ago, there was a campaign on Twitter under the hashtag Ich bin Hannah, or I am Hannah, concerning the less than ideal working conditions in academia in Germany, especially the German Act on Temporary Scientific Contracts. This year, there have been two proposed reforms, but there has been a lot of back and forth and not much consensus yet. What would change if the reform goes through? Yeah, great word, right? Wissenschaftszeitvertragsgesetz um, in German. <laughs> I would like to answer um, that question with a quote by Marcel Pavlovsky. He's currently um, a group leader in, in Potsdam, and he's also a member of the GSO. And we asked him exactly that question. And um, he said, and I quote him, the recent proposals merely increase the pressure on trained scientists in one of the most productive phases of their lives. And in the course of the debate, They are sometimes infantilized as new blood and denigrated as a potential clogging of the science system. I think that sums it up quite well. And um, the main takeaway here is that for some reason, lawmakers seem to not fully understand the realities of doing research and doing research in Germany. They expect excellence from researchers, but don't really offer a framework to have excellence unfold, right? For instance, now it used to be like three years for postdocs. Now I think it's four plus two years um, for the postdoc time limit. And that is pretty unrealistic when you think about what a postdoc should do in order to qualify themselves for the next um, career step, which is usually, you know, professor or group leader. That is one problem. The other problem is that you can really no longer offer um, appealing fellowships because if you just have such a short period of time, it's hard to attract international talent. You know, when someone relocates with a family for something like that, that is a pretty short time. And on the other hand, you can't really hire experienced and trained scientists, like someone who is in the system for more than 12 years, super experienced, would be a great help to, for instance, a young group leader. But this person cannot be hired because, you know, the law doesn't allow it. That is a problem. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes and how it pans out. But I think there's room for improvement. And there's definitely a disconnect there between the legal system and the university system. And Yes. A short explanation before we continue. In 2021, scientists in Germany started to protest online under the hashtag Ich bin Hannah or I am Hannah against unfair working conditions in German academia, as well as against the Wissenschaftszeitvertragsgesetz that we talked about earlier. The main criticism was that there were not enough permanent positions in German academia available, while at the same time, fixed term contracts were only awarded for a certain maximum duration of time. This meant that after a series of fixed-term contracts, researchers would not be able to find further employment and would sometimes be forced out of German academia. Now back to Anne. You work with researchers on a daily basis as part of your role at the GSO. What is your take then on the Ich bin Hannah movement and the corresponding legislation? Yeah, so I already established a few problems, right? There's not really a track for researchers, their power imbalances, and we don't really have diversified research professions. 
And basically, there's professor and there's not much more. And the Ich bin Hanna movement was very important to make that known and also make known the uh, the conditions that are not very favorable for researchers to the taxpayers as well. I think it was the first time that a wider audience understood what it is like to work in academia. Given the current situation, I think what it takes to change that would be guts, leadership and honesty. <laughs> and um, let's start with guts. So what always makes me a little bit angry also is that, you know, all these problems of Ich bin Hanna, they're all known. There's no mystery here. There are even good ideas how to deal with it. But we do need people who are brave enough and unpretentious enough and who are powerful, who say, let's change something, let's do something. And that has a lot to do with leadership, of course, top down and, you know, the big picture politics and so on. But it also, you know, um, has to do with leadership and everyday interaction. So how do I, as a professor or group leader, lead more honestly? How do I really inform my postdocs, PhDs about the current situation and mentor them? And that would have two effects that are really helpful. So first of all, it fosters agency and responsibility for postdocs and PhDs. And if a whole cohort creates pressure on the system, then they can actually change something. You can also help them to learn how to play the game and then change something when they're in a position to do something, right? And the second effect would be that you are able to teach, mentor, and support a more diverse crowd. So there's the hashtag, Ich bin Hanna, I am Hanna, but also Ich bin Rehan. And um, that, you know, focuses more on non-German researchers or Germans with a migrant background um, who have even more obstacles to face in the German research system. And if you were in the position to do something about these dynamics, what would be the first thing you would do? So either I would scale GSO to a guts leadership and honesty um, institution <laughs> that is like an independent player that does all these things, you know. Um, but we could also start with something more simple. And that would be, um, for instance, extending funding periods um, for researchers, um, not talking about three years, four years, but really more six plus two or something like that, that you really have a perspective and you can really um, do research and not only write concepts for research and then hardly have the time to put that into action. So the German Act on Temporary Scientific Contracts impacts all researchers in Germany, like you were talking about, also with the Ich bin Rehan uh, movement. But many international scholars, as you mentioned, move their families in order to take temporary employment at a German university. What is their position like in comparison to their German colleagues? Yeah, so the main problem is that employment is often tied to the visa status. So there's quite some pressure, you know, to, to, to have a job or get an extension because otherwise you have to leave the country. Then, of course, other problems are dual career to body problem. Often people move with a partner or with children. And then, you know, if you just have like these very short time spans, that is really hard for your family or even to have a family. And then you have to understand all the, you know, the, the, the politics, the admin that comes with, uh, with this law. And I think it's, it, it's really hard. I mean, it's hard for Germans to often understand it because, you know, depending on which institution you are, you can maybe flex it a little bit or not. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's tricky. And especially when you don't speak German, when you don't understand the system, it becomes even harder. Okay. 
And now transitioning to what we were just talking about, kind of support and advice for jobs in German academia. To transition into the positives of pursuing a research career in Germany, of which there are many, what makes Germany an attractive place to pursue a research agenda? So theoretically, academia, you know, provides an independent, not-for-profit, publicly funded environment, and that's really awesome. And uh, there's very strong societal and financial support in Germany. You have a wide variety of funding opportunities, including European mechanisms, funding mechanisms. Germany is an economically and socially incredibly attractive place to live. You have top research institutions without tuition. On the PhD level, um, you have more and more graduate schools with really great career development um, programs. What is often also a critique in Germany is that you have unlimited power as a professor is actually a real benefit to certain, you know, more established researchers abroad who come to Germany because they, if you become Max Planck director in Germany, you know, that's, that's pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> Definitely. And what would you consider the top advantages that internationals can expect when they are starting or pursuing an academic career in Germany? So as an advantage, I think the first thing that is an advantage is that you have picked a really good mentor and you have picked a really good lab or research institution that provides the best conditions for you. So of course, you know, that has to do with Germany, but the first thing should not be, should I go to Germany, but where can I do the best research and where is someone who really supports me? That should actually be your question. And if that happens to be in Germany, I think that's great. Um, but be aware that those should be your, your, your main considerations. Um, and then, of course, um, you have, especially on the student or PhD level, Universities become more and more progressive in the sense of career development programs. Um, there's a lot of support. You find quite international communities, especially when you work at a non-university research institution, but also um, more and more at universities. And of course, Germany as a country is a stable, um, stable country that, you know, is, is also interesting for you to live in. Would you say that Germany is more attractive for doing a PhD, a postdoc, pursuing an academic career, or does the level one is at not really make much of a difference? So when you look at the numbers, there are many international students, many PhDs and many postdocs, and then, you know, the numbers drop. So there are not as many group leaders and professors with an international background. So um, I think when you're a student, that's great because there's mostly no tuition and there's, you know, a good international community um, that you can find in Germany for a PhD as well, especially when you have a more structured PhD within um, a graduate school. I think that's good advice to, to maybe prefer that over a very individual PhD with just like one professor. Maybe check if there are any programs available because then you're embedded in a community um, and that makes it easier. And um, just be aware that there are differences between universities and non-university research institution in terms of, you know, do I have to teach and um, how international is the environment um, that should also be taken into consideration when you do a PhD, especially or a postdoc. 
It's also possible in Germany to do your PhD adjacent or with a company. Can you tell us a little bit about what that option looks like? Yes. So, of course, there are especially non-university research institutions like um, Fraunhofer, especially, that focus more on um, applied research rather than, for instance, the Max Planck Society that yeah, focuses more on, on blue sky research. And um, this is a good starting point because Fraunhofer usually has connections uh, to companies and um, the projects that you're doing and the projects that are running through Fraunhofer are often joint projects with companies that um, you are able to um, yeah, take part in. Um, if you just want to do um, a PhD at um, a company, that often is a joint program of a university and a company because only a university can grant you a PhD. A company can't do that, obviously. So you usually need to find a supervisor at a um, university and also look at usually company programs of bigger, larger companies in usually in, in pharma or in mechanical engineering that offer these PhD programs. Excellent. Thank you, Anna, so much for joining us today and for being on the show. Thank you, Jessica. It was a pleasure. Germany's academic landscape definitely has room for improvement, especially concerning long-term contracts for researchers. But on the other hand, studying and working in academia in Germany has a lot of advantages. There's very strong societal and financial support in Germany for researchers and students, and there are various options to find funding for your studies and research. Leila Heisman, for example, is quite happy with the quality of her study program. She's been working towards her MBA in Aviation and Tourism Management at Frankfurt University of Applied Sciences and is here today to tell us about what it's like to study in Germany from her firsthand experience. Hello, Leila, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. You chose to do your master's degree in Germany. Can you tell us a little bit about what influenced your decision? Good question. It has always been a personal dream of mine to include an international academic qualification to my portfolio. I'm from Southeast Asia, so Singapore to be precise, and I've always wanted to experience Europe. I've always wanted to understand uh, the EU, the European Union firsthand. And I thought, well, what better way now that I've had uh, some years of working experience and I thought maybe it's time for a nice break and to further my studies. And so that's why uh, I ended up looking at Germany as one of my options for an MEA study. Initially, I was quite nervous about having to uh, learn a new language, a, a foreign language I've never ever imagined of learning German. But at the end of the day, I think it really boiled down to the stability of the country and the economy and also the quality of uh, the MBA program that I've shortlisted. Excellent. And you mentioned the MBA program and the university where the MBA program is taking place is an applied university. When you were considering different options in Germany, what factors played a role for you in the program choice? Uh, first, I asked myself if I wanted to do just a general MBA study. And that was really the initial short list that I had. And then I dug deeper um, into industry that I would like to uh, explore um, 
And I've always been interested and have, have had a passion for the aviation industry. And so I started shortlisting from there. And it was really a, a struck of luck <laughs> that I came across the Frankfurt University of Applied Sciences MBA program in aviation and tourism management. They started just recently having uh, the program in full English. <laughs> so that really sold it for me. Of course, beforehand, I've already started learning German. Since I've already considered, okay, I shall do the MBA study in 50% English and 50% German. And so I already prepared myself mentally there. <laughs> but yes, in the end um, came this opportunity and it's based in Frankfurt. And I thought, wow, that's really close um, to Frankfurt International Airport. And uh, the program itself has uh, affiliations with the Frankfurt Airport and also with Lufthansa Group. So I thought that would be a good option for me to kickstart my career in the aviation industry. All right. So what would you say, summarizing, you know, what would you recommend to students looking for degree programs in Germany? First of all, I would recommend that you should review your main goals and you know, your principles in life. Uh, because I think Germany, for to be honest, it's not a country for hand-holding. So you have to be independent and you have to be determined. You have to have the grit to look for information. And I think once you know yourself that, okay, this is what I want to pursue, this industry that I want to be able to further my my professional career in, for instance, then um, you can start shortlisting already the courses that might be suitable for you. Once you review your budget and your long-term financial capabilities, that would also be ultimately helpful. And for instance, looking through the DAAD platform for scholarships, for instance, or the possibility of dual work-study combination options, yeah, that would be also one of the plus points. If, say, you already have, you know, some backup plan, so to speak, if, say, you, you can't just work full-time, you'd like to also earn some income while studying. Yeah, and also review the enrollment criteria, whether there would be special requirements um, before enrollment, for example. Some business schools would require a GMAT exam qualification, what I also did was uh, I asked a lot of questions on Facebook groups, <laughs> just, you know, asking who might already be in a certain city that I'm looking into, what the living conditions are like, uh, how, or, or just uh, analyzing through social media as well, um, how people lead their lives and, you know, exploring the cultures as well through social media accounts. And now that I am almost at the end of the MBA program, um, what I really appreciate during my MBA learning journey is that if you are one to prioritize learning, then you would probably benefit if you could plan out how to stretch uh, your time as a student. And then you can participate, for example, in extra classes or trainings or webinars um, by the university itself. For instance, at this moment right now, I'm taking a brief break to do a voluntary internship so I can get more industrial exposures. And also before I 
embark on my master's thesis. I also participate in language courses, not just German, but also other foreign language courses. And to do that, to be able to do that with the university at no additional cost, so to speak, it's a luxury, really, because once you're no longer a student, then you would be paying that out of your own pocket and it can get quite steep in the prices. That is also my recommendation for those who would like to also prioritize learning. Thank you for that. I love that you mentioned that. And I think it's just important to point out to our listeners that it's totally normal to do, for example, or to take a break semester. Exactly. Uh, in Germany, it's called like an Urlaub semester sometimes, and then uh, yes. do an internship or yes. a working student type thing, right? Or a project yeah. or some people start companies <laughs> uh, taking <laughs> off time, you know, so that's uh, welcomed and it's encouraged. You just mm -hmm. have to check with your university and see what the requirements are for that. There's probably a form you have to fill out, get signed and stamped. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's a yeah. great thing because you're going to get that experience and that's going to help you later on in the labor market. Exactly. And what's also a, a plus point I find here in Germany, there is no judgment when you decide, okay, I'm going to take a slightly longer route than normal uh, to you know, finish my formal education here. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Is there anything else that you would want other internationals or future international students to know before coming to Germany to study? That is a very interesting question. I would say before you decide on signing up for a program, if there's an opportunity for you to speak with the program coordinators or program managers, that would be a high plus point. So you can also understand further about the program and ask if there's an opportunity for you to speak with current students or graduates of that program. So that would also influence your decision making. Apart from that, I would also recommend that uh, you understand the bureaucracy requirements more or less on how to apply for your uh, student visa, for instance, because it can get overwhelming if you have to figure things out at the last minute, so to speak. <laughs> Another main challenge that I face that uh, I think would be helpful to prepare for, for those who would like to study in Germany, is that the acknowledgement of foreign degrees by the admissions commission committee can be challenging. Um, it shouldn't be the case though, that it is challenging to have, for instance, a proper foreign degree recognized. But I did encounter uh, some challenges for that. And some of the candidates in my MBA program and I had to take an aptitude test uh, comprising of um, a, a written research paper and written exam on four different uh, subjects while completing the MBA program. So this would then cost a lot of effort and some time commitment and, and some nerves as well. So to just prepare beforehand, do you have to, for instance, complete an aptitude test or other special exam requirements before your foreign degree uh, is recognized or is acknowledged by the admissions committee? That's a really good thing to mention in there, too, so people are aware of that. To get a visa to study in Germany, you need to be accepted into an officially recognized higher education institution and also have a secondary school diploma or a higher education degree. As Leila mentioned, the recognition process of your former degrees can unfortunately be a bit tricky, but that's not necessarily the case for everyone. Once you've successfully completed your studies in Germany, you can extend your stay by applying for an 18-month post-study work visa. 
We will link to more information about this in the show notes. Now back to Layla. What's next for you? You envision yourself staying in Germany for work. Where do you plan to go next? Will you be doing some internships? Will you be looking for a job? What are your next steps? Uh, I am planning to do some internships beforehand so that I have some exposures to what exactly I would like to venture into in the aviation industry. At the moment, I would still like to remain in Frankfurt. I love the international vibe here. And yes, it does remind me of Singapore sometimes, you know, because it's it's like being in the central business district. <laughs> you have the combination of both um, the modern skyscrapers. And if you turn the other way, you see a lot of um, historical buildings. And yes, I really enjoy where I am at the moment and plan to stay for a while. <laughs> That's great. Thank you for coming to the show and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you. I really appreciate having this opportunity to speak with you and share my two cents worth of studying in Germany. Thank you. So after speaking with Leila and Anna, we've compiled their top three tips for your academic journey in Germany. The first tip is do your research yourself before choosing a study or research program. Try to talk to the program coordinators and current students or researchers and use social media to find out more about the work, life, and study conditions that await you. Tip number two, studying at German universities can be very flexible. It's usually possible to pause for a semester, to do an internship, or to take a break. If you're already working in Germany, you can also study part-time while working, referred to as Berufsbegleitend. In planning out the study constellation that works best for you, consider your budget and explore scholarship opportunities to support your studies. And finally, our third tip. Both our guests talked about the importance of being proactive to get support. Most German universities have a service center for international students called the International Office. Reach out to them to gain access to the international community at your university while you're studying. And for researchers, try to find a good mentor or someone to support you at your research institution. For further information about your visa options, check out our show notes where we will put a link to the Make It in Germany site about visas and to the official website with information about the recognition process for academic qualifications. If you're looking for a scholarship for studying in Germany, check out the link to the website of the German Academic Exchange Service, or DAAD, that supports international students. And if you've already graduated and you're looking for a job in Germany, I recommend you listen to our next episode about finding a job in Germany. My name is Jessica Schuler, and this is Inside Deutschland, your guide to careers in Germany. Thanks for listening. Do you have a favorite German word related to research or academia in Germany? That is a really good question, and I had to think about it. And then I thought about um, the long night of science in Berlin last year, and I visited um, a lab. And right next to the lab um, was a small room um, with a sofa, really nice. And it had a little um, plaque on the side and it said Denkzimmer. So quite literally, it translates to a room in which, you know, you can think. But um, the term captures a bit more. It captures the essence of the concept of a mind palace while giving it a physical space. And that is somehow like a sanctuary for, you know, for thinking and for um, scientific ideas. And I think this is what especially researchers in the bottleneck um, need desperately. They need a sanctuary 
um, for creating the starting point of, of great research. And um, I think a Denkzimmer is uh, yeah, a great word. <laughs> Inside Deutschland, Your Guide to Careers in Germany is a podcast brought to you by the Alumni Portal Deutschland. I am your host, Jessica Schuler. Sound design, music, and production by Anne Bergner from Der Apparat, Multimedia GmbH. Editing and production by Jessica Schuler, as well as Amelie Berbot and Leonie Klusendorf from Der Apparat, Multimedia GmbH.